What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. La 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 Inner Wealth Podcast La 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 Inner Wealth Podcast La 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 Inner Wealth Podcast You know what day it is Inner Wealth Podcast Meditate and give So manifest the greater this And things all good Cause I say it is Investing in inner wealth Real generational wealth Is mental health It's an inside game No toxicity Let's talk and more listening Ladies and gentlemen, and now introducing David McCullough, founder of Inception, the first mental health gym. La la la, la. Inner Wealth Podcast. La la la, la. Inner Wealth Podcast. La la la, la. Inner Wealth Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Inner Wealth Podcast. I have a very special guest today. Before I introduce them, I just want to say, what up, though? And uh, in 2012, I got a random message from a, from an a internet friend, I would say, because I actually never met this person, but her name is Cheryl. And Cheryl messaged me and she said, hey, you need to go learn salsa. And I'm like, why? She's like, trust me, you just need to go learn salsa. And at that time, I just didn't understand this random message that I got. And so I said, okay. So I wanted to be open to it because, you know, I, I wanted to do something different. And so she said, there's a guy by the name Dwayne Wren. And Dwayne is in Detroit. And I said, okay. And first I'm thinking, I'm going to go see some Latin dude with his shirt open or something like that. And to my surprise, I, I looked his name up. I was like, oh, this is a brother. He got dreads. He's dancing. Afro-Cuban salsa. I was like, okay. So then, you know what? I stepped out of my comfort zone and I, I messaged the guy. But he never messaged me back. So I was like, well, then I guess I'm not going to learn salsa right now because he never messaged me back. I was okay. But then, like some years later, this is after 2012, I actually went out with, I went on a date with a salsa dancer. 
and she was telling me all about the community, and she she would leave from my date to go dance. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I'm like, mm, maybe one day I'll learn how to dance. And then so I left it alone. And then one day I had a client come in, and this client came into my facility, and she said, you know, um, she loved everything we had. She said, my, my dance teacher would really love this place. I said, dance? What type of dance? She said, oh, I dance salsa. And I said, is your teacher Dwayne Wren? And she said, yeah, how did you know? I said, because he didn't message me back after I messaged him, after I got a message to go learn from him. And after that, she said, I'm going to get him a gift card. I'm going to get him in here. And after she brought him in here, our story started to unfold. And now I have with me my home guy, my dude, Dwayne Wren. What's happening, everybody? That is a, that's a... <laughs> that's the shortened version of the story, yeah. mind you. Yeah, that's an awesome story, man. I uh, First of all, I'd like to say what up, though, to everybody. You know, Detroit, we in the house here doing it uh, with the inner wellness, and I'm I'm happy to be here. And thank you, David, for having me on, even though it has been what seems like a long time coming. Um, you know, when David tells that story, and now we've gotten to the <laughs> point where if we see each other somewhere and we're meeting new people, we just re-rehash that story, and because it, it's a lot of fun. But I always say in my defense, David was contacting me at a time where <laughs> there was a lot of people contacting me. That is not an excuse. But he contacted me because he is so immersed in technology. <laughs> and I was just avoiding technology at that point in time. I was in my comfort zone. And so he sent me a message on the Messenger app, which is a good friend of mine now. But at that time, it was lost. And so it took me maybe a couple of years to even see that. And when I saw it, you know, I did reach out to him. But, By the time uh, you saw it, I was in your basement learning. He was already <laughs> in my basement. That's right. <laughs> once I figured in, mind you, he showed me how to find the message. So there you go. But now we've come full circle and we're doing it to it. So what's happening, man? Man, man, we're here. That's like right. I said, it took, it took a while for us to get here, but we're here. Um, so let's, let's, let's start from the beginning. How in the world did a black man from New Orleans <laughs> get into salsa? Well, that's a great question. And um, I was working as a personal trainer. Um, I, had, I had graduated from the University of New Orleans uh, with a degree in um, um, exercise science. And my focus was in um, biomechanics. And I, at that time, was working with another group of nine, it was 10 of us total, personal trainers and we were working in uptown New Orleans and we pretty much did we ran that whole place if you wanted to do any training any fitness any type of wellness at that time you would come to Riley Bodies in New Orleans on um an uptown and so a friend of mine Lenny and I actually opened up a um a uh, class out in a park and we were doing a boot camp and one of the ladies came up to us and said, you know, this concept, you and everything that you do would work really well at this place that I go to. And, and, and it, was a, it was a ranch, a fitness ranch in Tucson, Arizona. And so at that time, she made a call and she did some things. And basically, after she told them about me, they had me um, 
come out and stay there for about a week. And once I went out to that ranch, I brought some of my concepts. I taught some classes and I was just a ball of energy that they had not seen in a while. And so they made me an offer. And so I found myself moving from New Orleans, Louisiana to Tucson, Arizona, not knowing anybody at all. Mm. And so while I was there, within the first couple of weeks or so, you know, different people came up to me. One guy that I made friends with asked me if I wanted to learn or go to his capoeira class, which is a Afro-Brazilian martial art. And the first thing I asked him was, well, are there girls there? And he said, you said over 80% of the class are girls. And I was like, I'm there. And then I was fascinated because once I saw everything that was going on there and, and just the culture and the history of, of that dance-like fight, fight-like dance, I was just all in. And within probably three months, um, I was invited by a different friend to go see an Afro-Cuban dance group called Ban Ra Ra that was touring the United States at that time. Mm. And again, she asked me if, you know, I'd like to go if I, if I dance salsa. And I said, no, but I'm looking to just meet people. Really, that's what it was. I wanted to meet people. And um, so she invited me to that concert and I found myself standing there for about half an hour before I can even sit down because I was so amazed at, at what I saw. and. Um, and I was all in at that point. And she told me that there was an instructor there, Cuban instructor there, and that I could take some classes. And I found myself in the classroom with about five people, me, the person invited me, the instructor, and two other people. And at the end of that class, I was amazed that nobody else was there because this was the best time I'd had in my life. I was confused, mm. entertained, I laughed, I moved, I danced. It was It was amazing. And so at that point in time, I started my journey, and that was early or late 1999. I officially called that because I actually went to that um, show, I think, in 2000. So my official start of everything was in 2000. So what what is it, in your perspective at that time, if you can remember, mm -hmm. what is it that you saw when you saw the band? Oh, I could totally remember. It was actually a dance group. It was a, it was okay. a, it was a dance company that was there. And the first thing they opened up with now, I didn't know now, but now I know, was um, a rhythm from the Congo. And so what they were showing were um, slaves who were out working in the fields mm. and and how they would, you know, do their work with rhythm and movement. And then they progressed to to different phases uh, to to free blacks who were out and and how they were doing and how they would meet with other um communities around and depending on if they needed to fight or come together and so this was all put to music and dance and drumming it was live drumming and i i'd never heard anything like this before and incidentally getting into afro-cuban music and dancing really <laughs> educated me more about the place that I was born in, New Orleans, you know, learning about Congo Square, um, which is now called Armstrong Park, um, and different things about the history of there and the commonality of music, the people. So that actually brought me to later finding out from my mom, who just said in a very easy breath, well, she's like, oh, yeah, well, your great-grandmother was Cuban. And I was like, oh, rewind. And so I started to try to figure out more about my blood, my history, 
I even went to Cuba to try to find, because at a certain point in Havana, hmm. um, you know, based on your last name, you can go to a certain section of that area and try to find, you know, that's where the names were. Um, I did that to no success, but still that was very interesting. So, so yeah, man, they opened up with, with live drumming and movement and dancing and the way my body reacted to that, the way my soul, hint, hint, reacted to that was just amazing. And I knew I needed to bathe myself in whatever was going on there. So that was a connection between first, because you were you were interested in the um, capoeira. Capoeira, yes. And and so that was a next step progression, because I never heard this story before, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that connected you to that too. So right. you, were you were you already a, a, a dancer in any aspects? Well, when you say any aspects, then I have to say yes, because I am a hip hop child, right? So, you know, my time coming up, there was either poppers. I mean, there weren't uh, uh, necessarily poppers and breakers. There there was that difference, but I did both of them. But I was more of a breaker. Mm. Um, but then, you know, I wanted to do some top rock stuff as well. So I danced just really to hip hop music. Okay. Um, but I would call myself a mover, right? I'm a mover about the planet in the sense of learning your body and as I said, I had already had my degree. So in my degree in in, in fitness and movement, um, I actually wanted to go into massage therapy. At one point, I did several, several hours, but then ended up not doing that. So just my understanding of the body helped my movement. And I trained for functional training. So I can take somebody's body, no matter what your function is, and I try to create balance. So Within that aspect of what I was doing, once I started to learn dance, this was a full-time study for me. Okay. And was this during a period before? Because I know at one point you were Diana Ross's trainer. Right. Was that before or after? So when I was brought out to Tucson to that facility, then... Um, you know, I made waves right away. I brought some new energy. I brought some new concepts because, you know, I, I came out of a class of people who were, who were transitioning from kind of like the muscle heads and just being in there and, and lifting and throwing around weight to, as I said, functional training, figuring mm -hmm. out what you do with your body. And then we find a balance with that. So we can, it doesn't matter. I can go into a room with nothing in it or with a room like this with tables, chairs, and, and, and stuff, and I can figure out an entire body workout for you. So with that aspect, that's, I mean, I just kind of merged that into everything. And and I met Diana Ross while I was at the ranch. Okay, so, so that was when, that's her later years. Right, so this concert was the Return to Love concert that she did, and it got really, really big buzz because this is the first concert that she did without the original Supremes. Okay. So we traveled all the way around, and then the last, the concert actually got cut short, and we ended with a sellout concert in New York in Madison Square Garden, and that was the last one. And then... um from there, I was hired for her as her personal trainer, not as her dancer. So I mm -hmm. trained the entire tour, basically whoever was touring with us, which was a band. We had dancers and um, and basically herself. But I was I was her specific personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Unless she wasn't working, then anybody else could work with me if they wanted to while on a tour. Right. So when you too, when you go back into that story of that that class that you were in, mm -hmm. and it was only five of you, mm -hmm. like. 
that was was that how long was that class for oh i would say it was probably in our class we just did footwork it was an introduction to things i remember at one point we were walking one way we were so confused my friend dan was walking one way while we were walking the other he's like i don't know whether i'm coming or going and this was just the best time so yeah only five of us about an hour and that changed my life when you started learning in the beginning that was afro-cuban yeah, so my instructor didn't speak any English at all, and he lived in San Francisco, but he was um, by way of Havana. And really, in the beginning, I spent three months with my first instructor, and that was to prepare for a show. We were going to be doing a couple of shows for uh, big groups like Cubanissimo. Um, we did something with Los Bonbon. Um and Bombaleo, which are really three huge groups that were coming through um, Tucson, Arizona. The lady that I that I connected with were bringing different groups, and at that time when Clinton was president, you know, there was a big exchange between um, uh, universities and and Cuba, and so they were coming back and forth for for that work. So I spent about three times with my first and three months with my first instructor, just training something specific. I now know that he was teaching me elements of the rhythm mambo, um, which we did dancing to that, and then a lot of casino, which is just one-on-one partner dancing, and then reda de casino, which is dancing with a group of people in a circular format, which we call a wheel. What did you learn, like, linear? And I guess you would have to describe what's the difference between those. Yeah, so when I think about the dancing and I think about linear style, um... There was a group of people in Tucson that, I mean, we were all dancing. We were all becoming familiar with the music and the dance kind of at the same time. And we didn't really know the difference, right? Mm -hmm. But we could tell the difference of the music that we listened to. So there was a big influence of of Cuban-style dancing, which for all intensive purposes, most people think of it as a circular-style dance. But... When we look at, and, and I even describe it as a difference between linear and circular, but within, within linear style, you can also get Cuban dancing, but that's part of a later uh, conversation. But the whole thing is I was studying dance, period. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I was just taking in anything I could. And early on, I did a video because I was in fitness, so I right away saw a connection between these steps and aerobic activity, and I developed... Um, what's called energetic, what we had called energetic salsa. And that was based on one step and seven variations. And once I started to develop this aerobic format, that kind of, you know, broke things down into a, a difference between, I would say, circular and linear. And when I was able to go on tour with Miss Diana Ross, it was amazing because we went to, I think the first place we went to actually was Detroit. And then we went to Chicago, um, and we were probably in Ohio. We went to Ohio. I'm not sure exactly the order, but we went to all these different places. And the mm. point to that is that there's different styles of dancing in all these places. Mm. So that's why I was able to take my energetic salsa, which I had already developed, and kind of compare it to what I was seeing. And that's where I saw commonality between all what they call, quote, unquote, styles, right? Mm-hmm. So what I do is, is you know, I, I play around with, with the style terminology, right? We said linear and circular. 
And, you know, somebody asked me what time, well, how many styles are there? And so my question to them was, how many people are there on the planet? And because mm, everybody has a exactly, different style. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And one of the one of the biggest um, you know, things that really drew me into wanting to even do salsa was the fact that you were and are black, but not just that, you understood the history of the the rhythms and the dance and one we have a history within that. And so when I would come to you at times and, and, and just really just study and learn with you, we would go through these these educational moments of like, yo, look at the history and look at us in this history. How how much did that impact, impact you to learn, you know, salsa because of that? A great deal. Um like I said, I learned a lot about New Orleans just by hearing this history and talking to people and really seeing how Africa itself really influenced everything that, that's going on in Cuba. And well not everything, but but a lot of, of how I focus within the music and the dance. And, you know, going back to that, we talk about different styles, but I like to think about different rhythms, right? There, mm -hmm. the dances don't really have names. So when we say mambo or or cha 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 or son or son montuno or danzon, those are all rhythms, and to those rhythms we dance. But then you have some different modifications where you get stuff like casino, which is 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 no rhythm. So and it's. It's it's the, called that because of the place that we're doing particular types of dancing. So within all of that, when you hear the different music, you can clearly hear the African influence. And when you mm -hmm. hear that African influence in the music, it kind of calls your body to do specific things. So when I'm training um, for what I want to do to free myself, as I say, in partner dancing, I train folklore, which is... And I train Afro-Cuban folklore specifically around this area. There's a lot of West African, which is a lot of different than Afro-Cuban because West African tends to be more up, where mm -hmm. Afro-Cuban is down in the floor. And, um, and the body movements and the rhythms, although similar, they say different things when you see them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the African part to that once I started to learn that more, just became more and more intriguing. And it helped me to realize that this is really a deep, deep rabbit hole or mole hole that you can get lost in because there's so much. There's over 21 rhythms. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, that come out of Cuba that influences music all over the world. And there are more rhythms that are in Cuba that people don't even know about. You know, they're isolated to certain regions. So within that study in and it of itself, I can get full. And because that is the origin of this, right, and it goes out to different places, to Puerto Rico, to here, to there, you have salsa, quote-unquote, all over the world, but it has an origin. And because I studied that route, I can see where everybody else is interpreting or kind of doing. So I, I look at that as, as I say, overstanding. How much time did you spend in, in, in Cuba learning? Um, in Cuba itself, not that long. A lot of my learning has been out of Cuba with Cubans that are that are out. So I do learn with Cubans, not non-Cubans. Not that that does matters anything, but for me it matters because a lot of my I have three main instructors that I boast about, and I have a lot of people who have taught me. Hmm. Um, but my main instructors were um all in their probably mid-50s when I met them about 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So as they've evolved on this planet, one of them has passed away, Ibae, and um, the other two are alive. And as they continue to mature and grow, they want to really maintain something from a long time ago. And I really appreciate that. So they, they talk from a specific time. And I really like that because it gives me a way to modify myself. It's like passing down like an oral tradition. Exactly. And they're really big on that. And one of my instructors is is very hard to 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 work with in the sense of how this fast-paced, fast food world wants to do it. He wants everything to be slowed down and he wants mm. to ingrain it into your system. And he really talks from a very old school perspective. So, you know, when I'm sitting in front of him, I'm aware that he has one way that he wants to do things and he wants you to learn it that way, even though things may have evolved a little mm, bit. Mm. And I really appreciate that because he sticks with that time. And so when I look at the evolution of things, I see how they're interpreting things. Yeah. Even misinterpreting. Well, I can see where you get some of that too. Yeah. Yeah, because um, me coming to you and learning, yeah. like I, I came to you like Karate Kid, like, hey, you missed the Miyagi. And I even told you, if you remember, I said, yeah. listen, if you tell me to, 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 to do broad strokes of brushing, paint brushing a, a fence, yeah. then I'm going to do that because I know that somehow it ties to what you're trying to get me to learn. Yes. And so when someone coming to you who felt like, well, I don't have any rhythm, yeah. you know, and then you're like, okay, that's that's clap on these beats mm -hmm. i remember that and i'm mm -hmm. like okay i clap on these beats and then you're like hey congratulations you have rhythm i'm yeah. like what yeah i got rhythm you know because yeah. <laughs> it's always assumed right that if you black right you got rhythm you can do it and 
going down that route and spending a lot of time with you uh, early on, just one on one work and doing like like you said, very slow movements. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. like this guy will break you down micro movements. Yes, and I'm like ah, I'm not I'm not going to dance until I get <laughs> you know right. get right. these basic things. So even as I go out, people, can you show me something? And I'm thinking in my head, like, no, because because I'm already trained, right? From your perspective, which you got a perspective from your yes master, if you want to call it a master, it's like, no, I can't just show you. Like, do you know how much time and effort and 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 nuances into everything, right? Um, so that, but there's benefits in that. There are benefits, and I will say. You know, you and I had a very deep conversation, which gave me a really good understanding of what you wanted to do and what you were looking for. And I don't know if you remember, you even told me, you know, you're not looking to to just be out there flailing around. You really wanted to know. And there are different ways. I mean, I'm happy to say, or maybe I should say that I train people because not that's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And some people need to get in and just have some stress relief and whatever that means for them, mm-hmm. then I can take them there. Um, but, you know, I do come from the principle of, of martial arts and I've been trained in, in different martial arts and there are very particular ways that you can really learn things and make them your own. So I kind of take a lot of those principles with me. But another thing is I look at my entire system as an unlocking system. And within that, I like to train people. And what I like to train people to do is to free themselves within the dance. A lot of times people say, oh, I want to dance like you. I say, no, you don't. You don't want to dance like me. But you want to feel how I feel mm-hmm. on the dance floor. Yeah. I am free. And if I can free you, then I can show you something totally different than you're trying to look like me, whatever that means. Well, I think I can hear that because I, cause I always just look at what you're doing. Like, how'd you, how'd you do that? Right. Every time you right. do a move, how, how'd you right. do that? And, it, and it's not something you'd be like, what? what what did I just do? Yeah. Because you're free. I, I understand that. You, your vessel is free in being able to interpret. pull, yes. interpret from the music and do what you feel from the music, right? right? right. So you are free. And when I hear when I hear the term free, I'm thinking about Neo in the Matrix when <laughs> when, when Mr. Um what's his name? Um what's his antagonist, the main antagonist? Um the one Mr. Oh, Anderson. Yeah, Mr. Anderson. Yeah, you know, he's talking about some I you know, I need to get free. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so when when we stand and we look at you, yes, we can see someone like it's not about the steps. Right. It's about the smooth smoothness from my perspective the mm-hmm. smoothness of your movements mm-hmm. they don't feel congested they feel um fluid and they feel on time to what we're listening to right so i can i can step back and see i ain't worried about the steps mm-hmm. i'm seeing what you're doing when you're doing it and why you're doing it right my um my um main master instructor that I that I usually talk about and who's the one I'm really working with now, um, he talks about an inseparable trio. And and when you start to look at triangles and threes and stuff like that, you could just get lost in in 
how important the grouping of threes are to us. But when we look at this inseparable trio, he talks about the, and I change this around. I don't necessarily say leader and follower. I don't like those, those um, taglines, right? I, what I like is somebody that is interpreting or somebody that's sending the signal and somebody that's interpreting the signal. Mm. But if we break it down very easy, the one that's sending the signal could be considered the leader and the one that's interpreting that signal could be the follower. But I look at both partners as being able to interpret and send signals with a certain understanding. But mm. then where does that third place come in? Well, it is the music. So we both need to understand the music so that when we're interpreting this, it's kind of like, if there is a grand leader, then that leader is neither one of us. The leader is the music, and we are both interpreters within that home. And then there's a certain signal provider, i.e. one of the two couples, one of the two persons in the couple. So when you work in that perspective, there's kind of a synergy that goes on. So mm. when somebody's seeing me dance, there is a relationship that I have not only with my partner, but with the music and then that kind of breaks down into its own little microchasms with the floor, with the spacing, with the energy of people. As I said, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, I've become very camera aware, which also makes me aware of people when they're looking at me. So I, you know, it's kind of false when you see me dance because I'm so aware I'm leading mm -hmm. towards, I'm playing sometimes to what I see. Yeah. And we've had these these very philosophical conversations about how everything you just said really just mimics life, but specifically mm. when we're talking about relationships. Yeah. You know, and there's this conversation argument going on about who's the leader, who's the follower. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and like you said, the, the terms we're using, but... If I'm, let's just use the term lead just so people can understand. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm the lead follow hmm. because I'm, I'm the follow of something greater than me. Right. 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 Yeah. So in a relationship, am I really, even as a man, am I really the lead? Yes and no. Right. Only if. And we can talk about this more in depth, too, because I see this within the salsa community. And I was glad that I, again, it's what I wanted to do, which was, one, I wanted to be within the music. And what I find from just an observation is that a lot of people, a lot of follow or leads, they're not in the music. Hmm. They're doing their kind of own thing. Yeah. And when they're doing their own thing, the people who are follow everything. Most of the people I've danced with, they'll always come and they say, well, who who trained you? Because you, you're, you're really good. And how did you know that a break was coming in that music? This Somebody said this to me last week. How did you know a break was coming there? I said, I didn't. I didn't know. She said, you know the song. I said, I don't know the song. Mm -hmm. I'm just in the music mm -hmm. and I'm flowing with that music. So now... You know, I'm giving you a signal and you're interpreting it, but it seems like it's happening because I knew the song. Right. Yeah. That's, I love that when that happened. <laughs> People always say, well, you know the song. Ah, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think that all goes to a person's perceived fun, right? Mm -hmm. 
you know, so I, I've I've battled with this for a long time. You know, I I grew up in a household with a father who said, "Be the best that you can be at, no matter what you can be." You know, and and he really liked at the time taking from um, Dr. Martin Luther King's speech, "I Have a Dream" speech, and and part of you know paraphrasing one of parts of it, but you know, it doesn't matter if you're a street sweeper. You know, be the best street sweeper that you can be, so that mm-hmm. when you pass away, they say, "Here lies the best street sweeper." Right? Yada yada. So taking that mindset as a child and growing up with that, you know, I put that pretty much to everything that I can do and salsa being no different. So when I look at how I trained and how hard it was and is for me to get certain things that I personally want for myself, you know, my perceived fun becomes with a perceived knowledge. So when I'm training people, like I say all the time, and, and this took a while for me to to understand, but I totally understand it now. You know, if if I'm immersing myself in this, this is what I do all day, a day. So when we're talking about somebody who is working in their position uh, nine to five, whatever that may be doing, or even if they don't have a regular job, but you can see what I mean. Somebody who goes to a place, they clock in or they do whatever, and then they leave at a certain time. Their perceived fun is going to be maybe different than now challenging their mind to try to learn something. They're ready to move. You can see them mm-hmm. fidgeting. And so what I've tried to do is find different ways, i.e. the training tools to unlock people to say, okay, here's your perceived fun, but also show them if you want to go further, then you need to obtain certain understanding. And, you know, when you get that, it, it's something that happens, I think, over time. And I, I think it's really awesome for people to go out and dance as soon as they can understand something. I remember when, you know, for me, it it was a really about when I can get through one whole song dancing with somebody, that's it. I've, I've, I made it. Mm. I, I, I will not have to go any further. And, you know, that's never the case because once you get that goal, then you want something else, want something yeah. else, and want something else, yeah. right? But when we look at it like that, um, it's kind of like in, in the meditation world or, or the, the, the Buddhism world, right? The, the, the uh, beginner's mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So I try to always put myself in that beginner's mind because that's the mind where everything can happen. Every all the potentials are still there, you know, and not trapping myself in somewhere. So I, I like to put that beginner mind to everything that I do. And that's why I really actually enjoy working with I don't want to say beginners, because more people are beginners than they realize. Right. However, with people who want to progress and grow within the dance and know that it is nothing that they need to obtain right away. You know, this, this Mm. should be a journey. Yeah. Well, that was, that was my, that was my main statement when I came to you. I said, I'm not, because it was based on a Wayne Dyer quote too, which is, Uh you know, don't try to hurry up and get to somewhere on the dance floor, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And and then the other one that he says uh, is, not dying with your music in you. Mm. And I think that, and so that'll transition into this next question is, is, is you being able to observe people because really, even though we're talking about dance, I look at dance from a mental, emotional standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, and I wrote an article in a uh, go dance Detroit mm-hmm. about, um, the connection between, um, 
mental health trauma and the dance mm-hmm. because for a lot of people the community the, the the dance community has helped in our healing process yes um but also too an understanding that that's not all there is like it's not dance itself is not going to fully heal you and dance itself is not fully just therapy by itself there's other tools to you know get things done but at the same time i believe it is a piece well, I I think that you're hitting on a lot. I mean, there are a lot, there's a lot of research that just shows how music affects the brain waves, right? How, how whether it's fast music or tranquil music, um, being around other people and doing something at the same time is, is mm. very energetic, right? Yeah. It, it, it changes your, your physiology in a mm-hmm. sense, you know, so I really appreciate it. And, and, and understand that as well. The the dance community, and 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 let's step out from the dance community for itself because the community itself is that could become many different things. But movement, right? So so really, when we look at my company name, Energetic Soul, Energetic Soul is is the tagline is where dance and fitness becomes one. Now that, that was always the the tagline from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And now I, I boast about wellness through movement. You know, over the pandemic, um, my work, like everybody else's, changed. But being an artist and somebody that traveled a lot, you know, I was I had just gotten from a trip from San Francisco at one of the largest events that happened in North America that I happened to be the VIP from of, and we we come out and I do the the um or one of the vips and i do the emceeing for that event and we just save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's gotten in and the talk about COVID-19 was just becoming a buzz. And then next thing you know, by the next month, there was nothing, no traveling or anything. And when that happened, I was really fully into uh, dancing at that time. But... I started to transform myself back into more of my fitness. I still do personal training for a select few clients, but nothing like what I'm doing now. And then, of course, you know, when the pandemic hit, you were, you know, right there and, and you were so supportive. I think we we were able to really talk things out and you're being able to um, put me on the team of people who were able to work with Dr. David Berselli and, and the trauma intention release exercises really opened me up to um, other things. And I got mm-hmm. back into my fitness. I ran into looking at how um, fascial lines and, and mm-hmm. muscle trains and, and affect the body and innervate and really answered or put terms to a lot of the things that I had already discovered in the dance and was, was, was benefiting from, mm-hmm. but couldn't really put that, I guess, proper terminology behind it to talk to other people. And it was also a connection from my Tai Chi Chuan training, which I went even heavier into. So that this year or 15 months or so that being 
not off, but in a changed kind of dynamic, I really had to start educating myself and trying to educate others as well. So that whole wellness through movement mm-hmm. really comes from a mindfulness. Yeah. And when we talk about the perceived fun in the community, I think that's what one of the things that I try to do is, you know, you have performers and you have people who come out and there's so many different reasons. You can never really know why an individual comes out to dance, what what fears they're getting over, what challenges, Mm -hmm. what anything. But when you put that entire community together, my goal is to try to create this mindfulness through movement which will then increase the wellness through movement. So yeah, and I again I've I've experienced that just in, you know, when you start just working on, you know, learning mm-hmm. that mindfulness of why are my shoulders mm-hmm. so stiff. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And you asked me one time, you said, you know, when I see you, you're so relaxed. What 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 are you what are you doing? Why am I so stiff? And I don't know if you remember my answer, but I said that when you watch yourself dancing, the reason why you're stiff is because what you're seeing is thought, mm. right? So when you're thinking about the next thing that you have to do and, and this right. and the person you're from and all, across from and all that, it, it, it just blocks you, right? Yeah. So again, going back to that freedom within the dance, that unlocking mm. you to be able to do things. And I've really come up with Within this system, it's it's a whole system, just just like what I had you doing. You know, I figure out where the person is at their time, at their point, and really what their ultimate goal is. Some people have a short-term goal, um, so I have to treat them a little bit differently. But, you know, when this is a goal that, hey, this wellness through movement is something that is not you're going to end with, but just make it part of your life. Mm then, you know, it's it's really fun and really fun to train because there's very, there's some really basic things that a person can do within their first session and really see the potential that they have to grow. Yeah. And so let's, let's talk about some of the benefits and I can share some of the benefits just from my own experience of, of dancing um, and getting back. One, I needed to get back into community. Mm-hmm. That's something that a therapist had worked with. She said, David, you got to get back into community because I, yeah. I had left community for a bit. And that's uh, that's shared in a, a previous episode. You'll mm-hmm. hear that. But I got back into community. And one thing is that, of course, you know, I had been dealing with anxiety and I mm-hmm. used a lot of tools, a lot of uh, modalities to help offset that. But I still... I needed to build my confidence back up. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really helped me to do that was dance. Because once you once you go out to a club or somewhere, um, and I've been out a few times where I'll, I'll pick up someone in terms of, like, let's dance. Mm-hmm. And it's somebody I know who's maybe not into the community. And they'll say, well, wait, uh, let's wait. And I say, why? Because let me get a couple of drinks first. Right. Right? Right. And you know in the dance community, <laughs> dancers don't really drink. No. We just go out there. I don't care who's on the dance floor. It's like, let's dance. Right. You know? And in my mind, though, I'm thinking, like, what? what's the big deal? It's because now I've broken through that 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 barrier, and I have what? I'm already getting a level of what? Freedom, right? Right. Listen, I'm not even the best dancer, but at least I... 
I perceive myself to be doing, <laughs> you know, a good job at what I'm doing. So confidence is one of the the big things that I notice that I got from that. And when you when you a dude, <laughs> you can go out. I would go out on Fridays mm-hmm. by myself. Yeah. I would call you up like, yeah, yeah, I just went out, hit this spot up, hit this yep. spot up. And then we talked, too, about the dancer's high. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had some times where I've been out, man, and I'm like, I go home. My body is buzzing. Your endorphins are on point. It's, 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 it's like a high that you've never really experienced. Yeah. yeah. And we were at we were at Havana Nights, and that's another event that's coming up. And we were you were you were uh, performing at that that event. Mm-hmm. I remember, man, going home so so charged that yes. I went I went to Diablo's <laughs> that <laughs> night. I left from that event, yeah. went to another event, right, and just so buzz. I'm like, what is this? And that's the dancers high. I've seen people drive from Congresses, drive all the way from Chicago just to go to a Yasasa event, like. I'm yes. like, we, but then there's a trap in that too, because you can end up chasing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I've learned to balance, balance that out mm. and not chase, you know, again, that's just like we do everything else, right? Anything yeah. that you do, you kind of chasing it. So the community, the, the touch, d- dude, if you go to Tokyo, mm-hmm. what's happening in Japan, well, they're they're making places that you pay to go and get hugs or touched. Hmm. Because wow. the lack of touch. Yeah. So there is a lot of uh, false perspectives on dancing and salsa that everything is this sensual, sexy. And it's like, I dance with I dance with all types of people from tall, small, short, older, younger. It's, it's, it's not what you think it is. From my perspective, a lot of people have that perspective, though, when they think about it, because they instantly think about, oh, the, the lady with the, the, the heels on and the short, short shorts, right? Mm-hmm. But the touch and the, the connection with the, the person you're dancing with and the synchronization, that's just a whole nother level. So I think that that involves, that's involved with the, 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 the benefits of movement, too. Yeah, and... Um... You're right, you know, talking about that dancer's high. I mean, there's something about going in and, you know, from the physiological standpoint, you know, you're sitting here all night doing low-impact aerobic activity, right? Right. Sometimes in short spurts, and then sometimes people come home and they're like, I was dancing all night, I can't believe it, right? Mm -hmm. And the body craves this, right? The body craves movement already. All right, the body has a has a muscle memory, right? And if we're sitting all the time, I've been doing um, a lot of things. I've been doing over the pandemic is working with companies about um, the negative effects of prolonged sitting, you mm-hmm. know, uh, for extended period of times, and what that does to the femur and how the femur and the hip area relate to that, and what your body starts to turn off so that hey, you're not using this, then I will, you know, put my resources somewhere else or I'll mm-hmm. stop producing certain things that right. you need, you know, which then affects your lower back. And that goes all the way up to the spine, affects the neck, and then obviously the head. So, you know, when you're getting out just in general and you're moving in this very nice and easy way, you can already just look right at 
what is happening between the femur and the hip, right? And already this is something that's very positive for the body. So now we're moving into a wellness type of concept. And the reason why I say low impact is because just in case for our listeners, if we leave the floor, like jump the floor and then come back down and hit it, that would be considered high impact movement. So we're doing a low impact aerobic exercise that you can make high impact if you wanted to. And then the idea that if you bring your hands above your heart level several times during the day, which you probably will do in excitement in a dancing night, then you're raising your aerobic capacity as well. So already your body is mm. doing something that it may not be, have been doing all that day from the lack of movement or sitting in one place or driving or working on a computer. And then you go out and you hear this music, which is already just makes you come, right? Because I don't see anybody who goes to a salsa club that doesn't like salsa music, right? So hmm. the music is already motivating and inspirational and you want to move to this. And then the idea that you actually can do something, this is very obtainable, whether you're in a wheelchair, whether you are standing, whether you've never danced before, you can dance. The body's always moving. The body's always dancing. And if we already understand that what we just need to do is sync the body with music and if you're able to move your feet then your feet and if you're not able to get up and move your feet then we move your hands and if you can't move your hands and your arms and you move your body and if you can't move that then think about it mm. because everything is always moving if you are breathing you're alive something's moving in your body and incidentally when you pass away i hate to get morbid but you're still moving because mm. you're decomposing into the ground. So movement is something that we need to do constantly to feed our body, right? We always tell them, sit still, telling kids, sit still. What are you doing? Stop moving. No, they need to fidget, right? We need mm. to understand that. So going back to those, those benefits, you have your endorphins going off, um, the music, the community, as you said, the femur. Um, and, you know, another thing about dancing is it's a chance to escape. You know, mm. who's to say that you can't dress up in your nice duds like my man Miguel, you know, <laughs> and, you know, go out to the salsa club and be whatever it is that you want to be that mm. night. Right. Dean was joking around saying, hey, you know, it looks like he owns something. He's ready to do this. I work for you, man. Put your nice clothes on and you take yourself out to the salsa club and let everybody else believe that because that's you doing your thing. You're having your fun. When you leave, you you know, go do whatever you're going to do from there. But that f can be fulfilling in a certain way. Some people mm -hmm. go out to the club just to move, right? They don't care about dancing well with a partner. They just want to move their body. So there's a lot of reasons why people can come to the club or to dancing in general, but mm -hmm. the benefits are just many, many, many. Yeah, I was out last night and uh, that was the first time I was out since the pandemic mm. yeah yeah and um everybody was out yeah <laughs> yeah everybody was out and you know i um you know i, I use wearable technology so mm -hmm. i i track like my deep sleep was pretty good last night nice and typically when i do dance my deep sleep and yes. my my heart rate variability is good of course so just measuring those things the body's happy yeah <laughs> yeah listen you i go into a space where it's I don't even understand the music. Yeah. From a 
linguistic Ling- standpoint. Yes. Right. But I understand it rhythmically. The intention. Yes. <laughs> of the I, music. I, and, and it always feels, you know, the music always feels fun even when it's depressing. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've listened exactly. to some songs. It, I yeah. have people translate. What is yeah, this song saying? Sometimes I don't even do that. Like, don't tell me the words. Just, just <laughs> yeah, they'll tell me. me the songs, and I'm like, "That's what that's saying because it feels really good." He like, is happy about that dog dying. Yeah, yeah. It's like what? <laughs> so I love the rhythms and, yes. and the music, and um, and just being able to to, to again is is not just low impact. It's low cost. Hmm. That's right. It isn't. We dance in the park oh, every yeah. Thursdays, yeah. and it's free. Yeah, and so many people walk by and they just look and they say, mm. "Wow!" Yeah, and they try to come in. So many people this year has stopped, probably more than previous years that I've noticed. I would imagine that yeah. they try to, and I'm thinking too because of the pandemic that yeah. we haven't been moving. It's like, hey, I may not have tried anything before, but I I better live my life and I better get to moving because right. I was stuck. Right. This this. This is the time like no other, and we as a planet have all been in this together, right? Mm-hmm. And you're right. This this is the time to not even rethink. We had we had 15, 16 months to think about it. Now is the time to do. You know, there's no excuses. We we had to sit around, and not everybody was in the same position, but everybody, you know, was affected. Mm-hmm. by what happened but you know this is the time to yeah get up and go do something that you haven't done before and there's so much research about the effects of not moving mm-hmm. um and so yeah you know this this is the time to do something new fun and well for your body and you said something earlier when you were alluding to, you were talking about uh, the program you went to, which is basically it's Inception's beta of the inner fitness trainer program. And the main thing that you learned was the foundation, which is trauma release yeah. of Dr. Dr. David Berselli. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've taken, we had a, we had a so many people, but only so many people going to graduate, obviously, because you've got to finish the program. But how has that uh, going through that impacted you and um, the clients that you work with now? Oh, a great deal. I mean, everything that I do is with the mindfulness and understanding of trauma. I mean, because I would teach people before and then you can look and you see somebody and they're trying to do it, but their hand is frozen in one position they're, and it's just stuck there. And it's just mm. like, oh, that's that's wild. What's going on? You know, mm. and you know they're they're in a very light traumatic situation mm. you know but this is the type of trauma that we can go in and out of and it's normal for our bodies right but now after working with dr Berselli and and the awesome trainers um that he has on his staff working with him you know it made me have to study the brain a little bit more, look at the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and what happens when we're in a fight or flight situation and and, and how our body responds and what happens to our cortisol levels. And when I witnessed this, I immediately backtrack out of that. And I'm very aware when I'm working with large groups of people that 
especially if we have a certain focus of just generally coming in and, mm-hmm. and dancing and having fun, then I keep it that fun. And that's what I was saying earlier. You know, when you came in and we talked a little bit, then I knew that I could do something different with you than I would maybe do with the general public. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to train. And, and in training, there's a very specific way that you train and there are going to be very grand results that come from that training, but it's going to be, I don't want to say hard, but it's going to take some, some focus and, Mm -hmm. and that is its own reward. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. I would say, I would say I was uncomfortable for about probably for a year. But hopefully you felt safe. But yeah. In the environment of learning that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was, that was the thing that allowed me to learn. Good. Was the safety. Good. Because I didn't even go to a class yet. Yeah. Well, and, and you were lucky. You know, I don't. I don't yeah, have everybody, everybody in my yeah, basement. Yeah, I but, know. Uh, you know. <laughs> I know. But <laughs> but so right in the beginning, I would go to the the salsa club, mm-hmm. and there I got to be salsa god. Right. Right. It, right. Because I was like, because at that club, a lot of people just like you said, they just want to have fun. Yeah. I wasn't interested in fun. Right. Well, you, were, you were in the training, so when I let you out, man, you were yeah. I was interested. In, I was interested in not just the Release fun. The I was beast. I was interested in and and being good. Yeah, you know which yes. which was my fun. Yeah. So I would go to the yeah. club and yo get to be salsa god here. People were like, man, you know how to dance? Oh, teach us. And then I would go to the actual where the real dancers were. Right. And then there I would get my ego checked. Yeah. And say. Oh, yeah, these people are really good, <laughs> you know. Really so, about it. so yeah. it, it was good. So I had, I had, I had the ego boosting, mm-hmm. and then I had the reality check. Right. And one story just about the reality check is because I danced with one of your students, Lucia. She was one okay. of my first, my first partners to be mm-hmm. dancing with, mm-hmm. and Lucia had been with you for years. Lucia, yeah. it, she's probably one of the best dancers I dance with. Yeah. Right. And so dancing with her for for a, you know a bit in the beginning, yeah. it gave me a real false sense of how good I was, right? Yeah. And then I would go for the first time. I think I went to like a y'all salsa. It's a it's a uh, an event we have here where all the dancers come out, and I was dancing with other people, and I just felt discouraged. I like went home discouraged, like. Yeah. I thought I was good. Yeah. And what I really realized was that Lucia just made up for my deficiencies. Right. She did what I taught her, which is you adapt to the situation and mm. you, yeah, you, you're you there. And which is, which really makes her a good follower. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when you go out to the clubs, then there's a expectancy that you can softly feel or even feel right in your face and mm-hmm. it is it's traumatizing so the same thing happened with me when i i was um learning had my thing and i thought i knew it all right and i was able to go on tour and the first place i went to which was actually here i went to the club and i saw people dancing and I could kind of this. I think this is what's really awesome about the Detroit area is that we have a really big mix. There's not one overriding style, at least in the beginning. You know, when mm-hmm. I came here, it was just a really nice place to dance. Um, 
you know, with a really big mix of people. But you go to other places and there's there's there's, there's an onto community. There's mm. a there's a Cuban style community. There's a this community, and now more so than ever before, things are trying to mix a little bit. But it's it was always different. So, you know, the point to that is that sometimes you can dance with somebody who is who are who also is doing something with their ego, and so when they get you in front of them, whoever that is, they they're trying to go above and beyond instead of having what mm. I like to say is a conversation. Yeah. Right. My, my whole style of training is really about a conversation that you're going to have with your partner. You ask a question and they respond. And depending on what type of at question you're asking mm. and the response you get, that leads our conversation. So there's not really a choreography to the dancing. There's just things you need to understand. And that's why I break it down into three main movements. And then from those three main movements, if you can understand them, then I can show you many, many, many different variations once you start to understand your body in time and space. So, yeah, it's it's interesting dancing with different people. But that that too is um again, she made up for my deficiencies and as I got greater command of myself mm -hmm. and I got greater understanding not from a thought standpoint but just from the the total essence of who yeah. you are into the music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um now when I dance with people, specifically people who are beginners, Mm -hmm. They say, you're a great leader. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because I'm adapting to them. And you're I'm listening. not trying to make them do anything that obviously the conversation has showed me that they can't do. Right. Yeah. And, and two, when I danced with Lucia, she would allow me to do things Explore. that yeah. I could not try to do with other people. Yeah. So the uh, reason why I'm bringing that up, because I'm always, I'm going back to relationships. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people are really into, oh, my relationship, romantic relationships, mm -hmm. or just mm -hmm. in relationships in general. Mm -hmm. If once you get control of yourself hmm. and have worked on yourself, then you can become a better conversationalist. Oh, yeah. You have to love yourself first. And, and, and there's a lot behind that right because you know what does that actually mean am i being selfish is it all about me no you know even when you understand that you know when when you get inside yourself you you really understand that a little bit more um it's uh in the movement world uh and when i say movement like like energy there there's a there's a there's a certain sense in an interreceptive or mm -hmm. interreceptive sense and that is being able to sense what's going on inside of your body right mm -hmm. a lot of people know about proprioceptive but interreceptive right. is what's going on within so it's kind of like when you meditate or when you sit and somebody says you're meditating you're just being silent and you're breathing mm -hmm. and you're trying to become mindful of what's going on with you internally your heartbeat what your autonomic system is doing, your breath, all of that is going within. And it it almost takes a kind of a slowing down and getting to understand yourself really fully before you can go out and really appreciate somebody else's differences. Yeah. You know, 
And yeah, that's it's hard, man. But it 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 is important. And you're right. When you're getting into relationships, a lot of it is really what I personally think and have experienced, and how I related to the dance is slowing down and listening, just yeah. really listening and paying attention. So in the dance, my method of that is called the TAP method, T-A-P, mm. which is I test and I assess before I progress. And that's what I do on the dance floor often because my name comes before I get to a person, meaning, oh, Dwayne, oh, I heard about you. And if I want to dance with somebody, it's usually, if it's for the first time, they always tell me something about their dance. And I've often wished that, wow, could I put it out there that you don't have to worry about me with that, right? But what I realize is that a lot of leaders probably come up to them. And if they're more in what we would call the beginner state or beginner to the dance, you know, people who are not kind of throwing them around and forcing them into situations yeah. that they, oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. And so they come to me like, well, I'm not a good dancer. Or I can only do this. And I'm like, well. I would have already known that, but I understand that is them already putting up a certain wall, a certain they protection. To, they have to tell that boundary exactly. up front because most people blow through the boundaries exactly. versus listening, right? Exactly. And as soon as I come up to them, and that's why I put that out there, it's just a tap method for me. But because they don't know me already, I make them feel comfortable. But that's already information for me mm. that's going to already, again, help my dance even more with this person because mm -hmm. I understand they're in a sense shaking if they're not physically shaking, but they're, they're, right. they're telling me this is going on. So the minute from that minute, even the way I touch them is designed to ease them. I'm all about getting their breath from up into their chest, down into their belly without my telling them. Mm. So, yeah. We can always, all, all the people who've trained under, under you, we can, we can tell who trained under you. Yeah. At first, I didn't know if that was a, was good, a good or a bad thing comment. Right. I know. But I know. I told you it, that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it. But it's like I can tell you. You. Yeah. You train with Dwayne. Yeah. You know, just yeah. from the moment that I pick this person up. Right. Is what we call it. Pick you up. Yeah. And get into this position. I yeah. can. I can tell. Yeah. And then guess what? I've been getting more comments. Mm -hmm. You dance. You train with Dwayne, didn't mm -hmm. you? I'm like, how do you know? Mm -hmm. It's like you're smooth, right. and I'm not as smooth as I want to be, right? But which says a lot. But that's the they still they're yeah. still saying yes. This is this was yeah. a good dance, and I always ask. And I'll tell you this one thing: it was one time we were at the club, and I was dancing with uh, Lucia, and she came to me afterwards after the dance. She said mm -hmm. she took me over to. Uh, Susan and she said, "Dance with David, dance with David right now. Feel his lead. Feel how good it was, man. That was like the ultimate. I was right. like, yes. that's that's it right there. Yes. That's all I wanted to hear was that this dance was good for you, coming from someone who's leading. I mean, following. Yeah, and somebody with the knowledge that, she and has. somebody, yeah. yeah, and somebody who comes who's from, danced with me a lot, right? Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm." I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm on to something. Yes. So give us uh give us some some maybe one or two tips mm -hmm. to get to help us to get moving. Well, the first thing is get your butt up right now and just step in place, right? 
and and I say single steps, right? It's just just taking single steps. But if it was really a tip, and I do this to people, so you know, metronome training. Mm. I I you know, there's different benefits to just to listening to a steady beat and what that can do with calming the mind and the brain as well. And so I try to to put different modalities together. So first thing I would tell people is, you know, to get into my system as far as a training method, you can get a metronome app on your smartphone. If you don't have a smartphone, you just pull it up on YouTube or some of us may still have those triangle metronomes. Pull it out, set it to 60 BPMs, and it's just going to go. And the only thing you're going to do is march to that. Just step with the beat that you hear. Do it in place first. When you get comfortable, then walk around. But the thing is, is that you want to align your steps so that when you're stepping, you're creating the beat. Don't listen for it. Don't step and then it hits and don't let it hit and then you step. You're trying to align directly with that. And you'll know, you'll see exactly what I mean. And and once that starts to happen, you're really on your way to stepping in. And I would say that would be one thing. Um, and you know, another tip that would be, I guess, for somebody who wants to just get up and start moving. Incidentally, I have a, a little tool. So this is a shameless plug, a little tool coming out, which I call the octagon, which is for dancers and non-dancers alike. And it's literally eight directions from a stationary position that teaches people how to do basic steps of, of salsa dancing. But it's also designed not only to teach people but to enhance what you already have and to just get people who are just want to get up and move in general to some music or to a beat and, and shows different things. And I have something called the scales of salsa, which we apply it to the octagon mat. And basically that's just doing single steps, double steps, triple steps, and then it just continues to go on. And so what I did was give everybody the single step, which is the first level to the scales of salsa with metronome. And if you want to challenge yourself a little bit more, like David was saying, you can clap while you're stepping to that. And then to take it to the next level, keep doing that step and then clap in between. And I have some videos, well, not videos, but uh, we recorded all of this and we have that that's going to be coming out um, online as well. And they're called clap drills. And so that would be something I would say to start with. Do you, um, do you find yourself being more, um, I won't say pleased, but yeah, well, I would say happy or pleased when you see our people start to take, you know, get into uh, movement, whether it be salsa or any type of dance. Because you had to be one of the few people. Oh, yeah. 20, 30 years. <laughs> I mean, when I go to the, when I go, I'm one of few. Right, right. Especially in this area, right? Right. I've traveled around a lot and I've seen different things, but you know, I'm not red or white or black. I'm brown. No, I'm just black. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, man, definitely, 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 definitely. Um, I had a friend of mine who's from Flint. We've often talked about my man mm -hmm. said, you know, and he, when you talk to Cedric, is like, dude, what are you upset about? And it's nothing. He's just like a gentle giant. But when he talks, it just always has this edge. And, and Cedric was talking to me one time. He's like, I was talking to my mom and, 
you know, why are you like this, this, this more than, than our own people? You know, we live in Motown. We are, our black people have been doing this and doing that. And I said, Cedric, hold on, buddy. <laughs> I was like, do you know how much this is us, our people? I had to tell him to, to, to just really look into how not only Africans, but as I like to say, black Americans, right? Because you say, you know, we could talk about this more later, but, you know, the term African-American really kind of gets under my skin a little bit. And that's just been since I was in college. And the, and, the, and the story to that, I know I'm changing stories quickly, but a story to that is I was in Toronto with a student of mine and she's half Armenian, half black. And there was a girl there who was African and half Armenian. And we were coming out the studio and they were talking and one girl said to the other, she said, oh, you know, I'm from Afro, I'm Afro-Armenian. And then our, my student said, I'm Afro-Armenian too. And then the lady from Toronto looked at her and said, what part of Africa are you from? And my friend just was stunned because she has no identity to Africa. Mm. She's black American. So the whole concept and idea of African-American and not knowing where you're for, we are black Americans. And that's how I think about it, even though I understand why the term African-American is so important. So when I see other people of color that are dancing that are not Latin, that do not speak the language, I still to this day, 20 years into it plus, and I don't speak Spanish. And I got to a point in time where I beat myself up a lot. I was like, you know, I really, really, really need to learn this language. And I do think I need to learn the language. But there's been always kind of like this mental block. I'm gathering other information. And, and I, I can speak. I can understand certain things. But it's not as, as much as I think mm. it should be. So the point to that is that seeing black people dance, seeing Americans dance is really... I don't know. It's it's amazing to me, and to know that I've put people on this path has been great. And I would love to see more people of color, more African Americans, more Black Americans that are actually doing this dance because it is not that far away from our culture. And um, there's a lot of things that we do musically, movement wise, that is right in time with this, mm -hmm. right in line with this. So. Yeah, I am happy when I see more people, you know, that's probably one of the reasons I would say that you were in my basement is because, you know, we are of each other. And uh, I felt comfortable having you around as well, just because you're an amazing person anyway, black, white, red or brown. And um, but yeah, you know, seeing more people come into it is great. And there's definitely a need and a want for more. I, I just came back from about 13, 14 days out in L.A. with my professional dance partner who's from Cuba that lives in L.A. And you go out there and there there are some black Americans in there, but they're very few and far between. Mm -hmm. And you would think there would be more out there. Yeah. You know, maybe in New York you have a little bit more. But, you know, the tendency is that that there's some type of Latin influence within the people. So I would like to see more of my black people get in here, if nothing else, for the movement. Well, listen, that's why... Um... You know, I bring a lot of tools to people mm -hmm. that they've never seen, mm -hmm. heard, mm -hmm. philosophies, people mm -hmm. never thought about, different thought processes, and now I just wanted to bring you out of the 
out of the uh, out of the basement, out of the basement, <laughs> yes, and, and introduce people to who you are, who, um, you know how I've benefited from getting plugged into your system, um, your your friendship, your mentorship, how that's impacted me, and I definitely recommend that everybody who's listening to you know get into some type of dance community They're everywhere and get moving. Because that's that's the thing that that's going to help you to again take control of your mental emotional standpoint is one just being able to move your body, finding safety within your body, and once you can find safety within your body, you're going to unlock the the resources and gain the freedom that you need. Until next time, guys. Take it easy. Thank you, David. You've been listening to the In the World Podcast on EYL. Theme song produced by Be Ready for West Coast Creations. I am Razcast, reminding you to take action, be proactive, be congruent, get out of the matrix, get your mind right. We've automated mental health at inception. Join the movement. Inner Wealth Podcast. Inner Wealth Podcast. Inner Wealth Podcast. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.